today on This Christian Life. Our story begins in the town of London. No, no, not that London. The little town of London, Oregon. Or at least it was a town about 100 years ago. London was a booming place because the Kalapulya Indians were settled in the London area. And on one side of the river, the Indians lived, and on the other side of the river, the, the settlers lived. That's Gretchen Spears, our storyteller for today. More about her in just a second. And the Indians, in my understanding, had said that there was a spring, and from the spring, there was great healing waters. Well, the settlers got a hold of the spring and started selling the water as the fountain of youth with magical healing waters. And the water actually got bottled and sent across the United States. And since that was happening, they built a huge, beautiful, grand hotel. They had a store, they had the church, they had the Grange, and they start a, a post office. They started building a community and people would come there and flock there because of that water. And they would have baths in it and think that they were being healed. Well, <laughs> they tested the water and it came back with arsenic in it and is actually poisoned. So the town of London lost its post office and then its township. Now, a small community with just one main road, marked by a red barn with a worn out sign. The original sign advertising the Kalapuya Healing Waters. Our story today is about community healing, and restoration. And that's when Gretchen comes in. We had three sons, Chet, Wyatt, and Willie, that are all football players. And so we moved away for a time for our kids to go play football. They all won the state championship. <laughs> and then we moved back. And when we moved back into our house, I was trying to find a church. Well, the church is a couple miles past our house. And you could not tell if it was a viable church, if it was open or closed like so many of those old, old buildings are now, sadly. And the sign itself had a wasp nest over the sign and the church was so dilapidated. I just wondered if it was a working church because of the way it looked. Well, I was intrigued and found out they were having church on Sunday at 10 o'clock and I showed up and when I walked inside, the people were so extraordinary. They're from a time that doesn't exist anymore. They all love each other so, so much that I have our head pastor is a Calvinist and our assistant pastor is an Armenian. If you know the difference between Calvinism and Armenianism, you know that's saying something. <laughs> doesn't it? A lot of them grew up together and they're all in their 70s and their 80s. We go through the scriptures, line upon line, precept upon precept, and that is where my heart is, is to know the scriptures. But they also, because they know each other, they just talk in church. The first Sunday I was there, the pastor said, oh yeah, I have a story. Me and my friend, his friend's name was Frog, were driving down downtown Main Street and they were in a Model T. And they thought it was really funny because they could make it backfire. And so they put their pistols in the air and were pretending like they were shooting off their guns down Main Street. 
and you know alarming everybody and they just thought that was clean fun and i was amazed <laughs> well then i hear from the back pew it was bill the church's music director famous for his immense knowledge of hymns and the history behind them <laughs> and a bit infamous back in his day he said ah, i got one better i got one better i was driving by the prison and uh, it was two o'clock in the morning and he said, and I thought those prisoners needed to wake up. And so he did shoot off his gun at two o'clock in the morning in front of the prison, thinking it was really funny as a teenager. And of course was immediately surrounded by police officers saying, what, what are you doing? And he said, I was just trying to wake them up and they let him go. But it just shows that <laughs> the kind of people that they are and the time period in which they came from when it was still of an innocent heart. Even though they were doing these outrageous things that would not even come to our mind to even try something like that, but they were always given the benefit of the doubt because people knew and they still possess this heart in them that is innocent and loving and putting each other first and truly fulfill the commandment of God to love your neighbor. And so when I walked into that church and I heard these stories and I saw how they loved each other, that was my church home. Well, the gates to the church themselves were two little arches, and they're very thin, tiny little gates. There's two little crosses on each side. They were covered in moss and dirt and grime and kind of broken down. And so I got my two little nieces, and we got some scrapers, and we scraped off all the moss and painted the gates bright white. Well, when we did that, it really did make the church look even worse. <laughs> because. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, the gates were so pure white, and the church was really very, very dilapidated. And so I got a scraper, which I thought was a paint scraper, which later I found out was a putty knife, and I just started chipping away at the church. And I thought, who knows how long this is going to take me? It needs to be done. And so I just started chipping away at the church. One lady who's a congregate, her husband did not attend church at that time. She showed up. She has one leg amputated, and she was going to be baptized and was excited about coming to the church. Well, her and her husband showed up, and they said, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm scraping the church. The gates look so nice. I think the church should be white. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I'm just scraping away. It, it can't hurt it. That's how bad it looked. And so they offered their pressure washer. And so I got their pressure washer and started pressure washing the church. It was built in 1859, the same year that Oregon became a state. It's old, 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 and uh, spider webs, spiders everywhere. And I'm, I'm spraying off the church, and I'm just realizing the picture that was before me because it is the picture of redemption. Just that pressure washer, the washing of the water of the word, just washing off all the grime, all the yuck, and a century of it. And it, until it was sparkling clean, it was overwhelming to be to doing that and using water to wash the church. It just, it struck me and, and still strikes me to this day. Well, when I was washing it off, there were spiders and a spider came crawling over the top of my hood and I could see its long legs coming down. And I'm at the top of a ladder and I'm a girl and <laughs> and, and here's this spider. But truly it came to mind, uh, Proverbs 30, 28, that says that a spider taketh hold with her hands and is in the king's palaces. And that's a picture of wisdom. At first, when I first saw their little legs, I was scared, but I thought, 
this is exactly where God wants me in the king's palace. It, it's amazing what a spider and washing with a water pressure gun can do to a person. The church was washed off, but it still needed to be scraped. There was over a hundred years of paint, layers and layers of paint. So we started scraping and a man came by on his bicycle and I was scraping away, scraping away. And he's, what you doing? And I said, I'm scraping the church. And I said, would you like to help? He said, yeah. I said, okay, here you go. And so he started scraping with me and then uh, other people started driving by. I mean, it was just like a movie. It was incredible. other people driving by yelling, oh yeah, it looks so great. And you don't know where London Road is, but there is, you know, a car drives by once every half an hour. It's in the middle of nowhere. And so when people do see activity and things going by, it's very, very intriguing. And so they would go by really slow, yelling words of encouragement and stopping. Well, we ended up having scraping parties. People in the community start showing up with their little scrape putty knives and scraping the church. And lo and behold, it all got scraped. Uh, all the old paint got scraped off and, and ready to paint. And the same man who offered me the pressure washer, also his sister owns a paint company. And he said, I'm going to ask her. Well, he also is a logger and he also has a lift that can lift us up because the church is really tall. And so he asked his logging company, they let us use the lift. His sister said yes, got us the paint at half price, um, less than half price. And the paint was exceedingly expensive. It's like glue because the siding is so old that it needed to be literally glued back together. And it is like glue, the the primer that we put on there and the beautiful white paint top of the line. And we got it for a, a smoking deal. And she also offered her two professional paint sprayers. People in the community came and, you know, we had a hand paint around all the old, old windows. And so, you know, we're painting around those windows, just rich with the nostalgia of of a people that came from a time that is no more. And it's preserved in that church and uh, the community rallying together. It, It was to see the church done, but there was such the spirit of the living God was so heavy that it miraculously came together. It was something that when you even got into the closest vicinity of what was going on, you were just drawn to it. There was a pull from the Holy Spirit himself, drawing people. And it was such the most loveliest thing I really truly have ever done. So I'm gonna start crying. <laughs> the the, <clears throat> the people, um, it changed lives. Uh, the man who offered the paint sprayer, he was not saved. His wife had had one leg amputated and, um, has some tough times and I was talking to him about the church and he kept on stopping by my house. Well, pretty soon as he starts asking me Bible questions and the Holy Spirit, again, just drawing people and those people who needed to be there because he was not saved and he did accept Jesus Christ standing in my family room one day coming to talk about the church and getting it painted. And so that was a miraculous thing. Well, once the church was painted and done, we had noticed that the bell tower was totally dilapidated. And what had happened was for the last over a decade, 
whenever they would ring the bell, the whole sanctuary would be full of flies. That stopped them from ringing the bell because it was disgusting. You ring a bell and the church is full of flies, dead flies in the winter and live flies in the summer. And it just stopped them from ringing it. Well, when we went to go paint it and my friend, the logger who got saved was on the lift that the logging company lent us. He was up there where the bell tower was and he could see that it was totally rotten, totally, totally rotten. I looked up the bell and found an advertisement for the same exact bell, number 26, from the American Bell Foundry, and it weighs 345 pounds. In our dilapidated old church, rotten, and if they would have kept on ringing it, it would have crashed right through, right into our sanctuary. And so we all know (laughs) that God sent those flies for a purpose just to preserve our church, preserve the well-being of the members in our church. So we knew then that the bell tower had to be replaced. We had just spent what we had, even though it was at a great, great discount. Our church is so tiny. I didn't know where we were going to get the money for the bell tower, but I did know that God had purposed in my heart. Again, it started with the gates. It went to the painting of the building. And now I know that we needed a bell tower. Well, um, one of our congregants was out painting the fence because now our church looks so great. The fence had to look great. And she came up to our old holly bush. And I could see her out there painting and I knew she was coming to that holly bush and I didn't want her to have to deal with the holly bush. So I went out and started trimming the holly bush away from the fence so that she could get it painted. It just was like an epiphany. like, And when I looked down at the holly, I thought, this is it. And in my mind, I thought, this is solid gold because nobody makes holly wreaths anymore. And we can make holly wreaths and we can sell them and uh, hopefully earn some money for the bell tower. There's a man who lives right across the street from the church and, and he makes Christmas ornaments out of wood. And so I brought the wood over to him and he burnt into the wood for me 2018 to 1859, a piece of history from the London church. And we raffled off one of those and I made $130 and that started us off. And then we ended up making those wreaths and oh, it was so much fun. All the little old women coming. It was just so that in itself at Christmas time when everybody has so much to do and we were making bows. And, and so people were getting trims off their blue spruces and it to add in with the holly. And they were the, just the most beautiful wreaths. Well, we ended up selling $5,000 worth of wreaths in addition to donations that came from all over the state. When they started hearing about our bell tower and and save the bell tower. Then the most horrific snowstorm for decades and actually I think probably ever in Oregon where we live hit. We do not get snow and it snowed 
I mean, it, it was in the drifts, it was five to six feet. It was probably two feet of snow. And then in the drifts, it was, it went clear up past our mailboxes. We couldn't get out. Our, our local power company said, do not expect your power to be on for a week. And so everything was just, people's roofs were ripped off, uh, their sheds, their barns, everything, you know, was collapsed. And so all the contractors were taken. We had the money and no one to fix our bell tower. And our church was called the Liberty Church way back when, when it very first started. And so it was in my heart to have the bell ringing on 4th of July to celebrate Liberty, Liberty in Christ. And months went by and still no contractors, no contractors. And as it was drawing nearer, I thought, well, what am I going to do? My husband's a lineman and he repairs power lines. And there's another man who um, is crafty. And then that man, Todd, who got saved, I wanted him to be part of it because he just is now more than ever because um, his soul got saved in the bell tower. And so I asked those three men, would you please consider building us the bell tower? And all three of them said yes instantly. The three men began to rebuild the bell tower. They built the inner structure out of steel to support the massive bell, then the wood on the outside, the roofing, the painting. It was slow, it was still slow, slow going. All three of the men, they work. And so 4th of July is coming. I have the newspaper man there and I have all the people from our church at our house to talk about the bell, to talk about what it meant to them. The newspaper man said, well, <laughs> The bell is still not on the church, and it was July 1st, and we invited the whole community to come to hear that bell ring on July 4th, and he said, what if you don't get it done? Because our newspaper only comes out once a week, and the very next day was the 4th of July, so if he ran it, saying inviting the whole community, there was no turning back. It had to be done. To go through every step that God had brought us through from the very beginning, through the gates, through scraping it, through people showing up off their bicycles, to the lifts that were donated, to the paint that we had, to the people showing up. The pattern of God was clearly seen and he was the author and the finisher of it. And there was no way that that bell tower was not going to be finished, even though it didn't quite look like it was going to be accomplished. I absolutely knew. And I asked the newspaper man, if he's gotten us this far, don't you believe that he will get us through to the end? And the newspaper man said, yep, I do believe it. We all knew um, who was going to finish it, and it wasn't going to be any of us. It was going to be God using us to finish it. And so it was finished, and a couple hundred people showed up at our teeny tiny church, which is approximately 10 miles outside of the nearest town in the middle of nowhere wanting to be part again of what the Holy Spirit had done. And our pastor gave the most beautiful presentation of the gospel to people who probably wouldn't have heard it. They were there for the nostalgia of the bell. And he gave the gospel in the most clear, crisp way. We sang um, patriotic songs. We sang those songs and the pastor was supposed to ring the bell. and came time to ring the bell and he asked me to come up and ring the bell. And of course I was floored. I did not know that I was gonna be the one ringing that bell for the first time. And 
over a decade. And before I rang it, I said, praise you, God, at the top of my lungs and and rang that bell. There was a peal of laughter and everybody standing at their feet and clapping their hands. It was just the most, it was a lovely, lovely moment. The church had to be dilapidated. The church had to be in such a bad disrepair. It had to have flies. It's just like life. We have to go through sufferings. We have to have the flies come. We have to have the gross looking things that come our way in order to see the greatness of God. It was miraculous. A moment that was so much more than the sum of its parts. but. That's often how God works, isn't it? You know, miracles aren't always big, splashy spectacles or magic spring waters that heal. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So the greatest miracle is God, renewing broken people through his Son, and then using those same broken people to show his love People like those at the Little White Church in the Vale. This Christian Life, a podcast from Family Radio. If you were blessed by today's story, please subscribe. And if you'd like to support the ministry, you can find out more at familyradio.org. And remember, you can support us for free by leaving a review on iTunes or, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your support helps others find the joy that is this Christian life. This Christian Life is a production of Family Stations Incorporated and is not affiliated with Christian Life Magazine or Plus Communications Incorporated. FamilyRadio.org